Hello, McDermott family. I don't know many of you. Um, I know some. And I'd sure wish that we could meet together face-to-face to where I could get to know a whole lot more of you, for sure. But as of right now, I'm glad to be with you. Even if there is the screen between us, I am glad to be here together. Some of you may not know me from Adam, and some of you don't even know Adam, and so we have a lot of work to do. Uh, just as a quick introduction, I know you probably saw a few things about me at the beginning, but uh, my name is Mitch Wiggins. I am the preaching minister at Western Heights Church of Christ there in Sherman. I've been there for seven years, and I suppose I could tell you a whole lot more about me. I could tell you other stats of my life, that I grew up in a small town uh, in the panhandle of Oklahoma, um, that I am, uh, ha- am the father of three girls, um, that I have dashing good looks, or you know, I could go through the list of things Uh, about me and give you my stats, but in in all reality, to get a full picture of who I am, of my identity, you would have to walk through those things. You would have to understand a little bit of my story, a little bit of my background to know truly who I am. See, the thing is, it's important who we are. It's important not just what we think about ourselves, but what is said about us. It's important to understand who we are. It's kind of like I used to tell my girls, or even sometimes still tell my girls, dropping them off for school, if we ever get to do that again, or uh, dropping them off at a friend's house. I might say something like, remember whose you are. And maybe you've heard something similar to that, but uh, it, to me it's always the reminder that there's a, there, you have a name, and that name is attached to an identity. But even more than that, you have an identity in Christ, and you need to remember whose you are. Whenever I look at uh, the world and what it's going through, I look at a lot of the things that we deal with, and and, and I'm, I'm thinking that our nation could use a reminder. Our nation could use a reminder of whose we are, who we are. What is it that has made Americans Americans, but even more specifically, maybe a little bit more uh, poignant for us, is the church needs the reminder as well. See, the church, I believe, has lost a little bit of its identity. We have lost who we are, and as Christians, we have forgotten this, this summer, I know that on Wednesday nights, your church family is walking through uh, the letters of Paul, which is kind of like drinking from a fire hose. So uh, I, I recognize that you're going to be going through a lot of information, and we're asked to cover a full book, or at least a part of, of a letter of Paul in these talks. And so that's a, that's a hefty task. I promise I won't keep you here forever, though. I want to give you a quick overview of the book, and then I want to specifically look at how the book of Galatians talks about our identity, talks about who we are. The book of Galatians is one of the first written uh, by Paul that we, that, that we still have. Uh, it is probably written around 48 or 49 um, AD, which, uh, which is definitely among the earliest, but even more so than that, it gives this uh, understanding that it is about less than 20 years after the day of Pentecost. So in other words, the church had, is really in its infancy. It is just coming out of its teenage years of understanding, if that helps get a perspective of where Paul is writing this letter into. 
that the church itself is not doing, is not doing the things that we're doing now. It's not live streaming its services. It's not worried about getting all these things together for our church buildings and all this. They're just trying to figure it out. They're still understanding what it means to be a Christian. And so Paul writes a letter to a group of churches that make up this area called Galatia. That in these churches he helped establish in his first missionary journey. Now, I don't think Paul called it his first missionary journey. I think that's something that uh, was developed later, that whenever he went on the second one, that's when they started referring to the first one. But on this first one, he went through the area of Galatia so, to some of these towns like Pisidian and Antioch, uh, Iconium, Lystra, Derby. You can read more about these in, in the book of Acts. But he writes this letter not long after their establishment. Not long after the church has been, the, had been established there because they're dealing with a crisis of identity. So throughout the letter, Paul strives to establish the importance of a thing called grace, especially whenever it's compared to the law. So Paul talks about freedom, and he talks about identity a lot through the book of Galatians. So a really broad strokes overview, chapters 1 and 2, they're personal in nature and deal with Paul's identity and his authority. Chapters 3 and 4 then are doctrinal in nature and deal with who they are in Christ. And chapters 5 and 6 are then practical in nature and deal with what their identity then truly means. See, our identity is a big deal. Who we think we are is, is huge. But even more important is who God says we are. And so that is what Paul is going to try to explain. But just put this in our perspective for a second. If I were to ask any one of you who you are, you might proceed to tell me a little bit like I did at the beginning. Where you come from. Tell me about your job, your family. You got kids. Maybe you would tell me some of the things that you've done that make you a little bit of who you are. Or maybe why we would recognize you in any situation. Paul used to do that. In fact, there's a few times in Scripture that he even says he brags about his heritage. Bragging is probably the wrong term there. But he talks about his heritage. Um, and, and he talks about all these things of what made him who he is. But in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20... He says this, he says it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, this is an awesome memory verse, and probably most of you have heard this verse and memorized it before, but it is even bigger life verse. See, what Paul is saying here is that his old life is dead. The guy who Paul was is no longer his identity. His identity now is in Christ. He says, Christ lives in me. Paul doesn't just find part of his identity in Christ. It's not like he attaches onto this, his name the descriptor of Christian. Well, and it falls along the side, side that he uh, used to be a Pharisee and, that he, and he was a Jew among Jews and he's also a Christian. 
That's not how he would view this or even understand um, this identity that he has now in Christ. He says, this, that old life is now dead. It has been crucified. My life now is Christ. The only identity that Paul sees for himself is that the Son of God lives in him. It's the only identity that he needs. What, what I mean by that is Paul truly wants others, whenever they look at him, he wants them to see Christ. That is what makes him who he is. And maybe the, the, the message for us should be the same. But let's be honest, our, our struggle with this is pretty clear. See, we struggle with the exclusive identity in this world for, for any aspect of our lives. We struggle with exclusive identity because what we really want is to be able to hold these different aspects of our identity together and put them on an equal playing field. This is part of the reason that we use Christian as simply a describer and not as our fullness of identity. This comes across whenever we refer to ourselves as American Christians. Or sometimes even now in our, in our world we're seeing this, that I'm a black Christian or I'm a white Christian. Or you add to it that we even have this understanding that, well, I'm a, I'm a Church of Christ. Or I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Methodist, or I'm an assembly of God, or whatever Christian. And we want to qualify, and we want to kind of put this identity with some nuance. And I think Paul would say, might say that we've missed the point. Paul might say that what we've done is we have messed up this identity by trying to make it more politically correct. Or maybe it's not politically correct. Maybe... What we've done is we've tried to put it alongside of as anything else as an equal part of who we are. But if Paul has anything to teach us in Galatians 2.20, it's that this identity is all that we need. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Then in the very next chapter, in chapter 3, starting in verse 26, he says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Paul says then that we are children of God, so much so that in the next chapter he will even say that we can cry out to him, Abba, Father, which is a very intimate term. It's an intimate understanding of this relationship that we have. Now, of course, this makes sense if we understand it in the form of identity. See, if Christ lives in us, and Christ is our identity, and Christ is the Son of God, then our identity is with Christ, who is the Son of God, which means... We can cry out to God, Abba, Father. We are his children. So it makes sense. But notice how Paul describes his identity and what this identity really truly looks like and means. Verse 28, he says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
I kind of wonder if Paul was writing in our times right now, if he would add there's neither black nor white. Now, is Paul naive? Does he not know that there's such a thing as gender? Of course he knows the difference between males and females. He knows the difference between Jews and Gentiles. He knows, knows the difference between slave and master. He says those things aren't what define us. Those are not the things that should be our identity if we're in Christ. Because if we're in Christ, that is the only identity we need. In fact, I was reminded about this uh, very recently. I was talking to one of my uh, black brothers that was, we were talking about all the things going on in our world. And, and he said, look, there are a lot of things that can be differences between us. But if we are in Christ, you're my brother. It's just that simple. And I appreciated his reminder. I appreciated just that reminder that he's completely right. If we are in Christ, we're family. The only identifier that we need. Who are you? Uh, I'm in Christ. I'm a Christian. Now, I don't believe what Paul is trying to do is deny the other things that make up our identity. I don't think he's trying to deny that there is a difference between men and women, that there's a difference between uh, Jews and Gentiles. I don't think he's trying to, to give us this message of uniformity. Uniformity meaning that we all look alike, that we all act alike, that we all think alike, that we all sing alike, that we all are completely in uniform. No, the message of Scripture is not uniformity. The message of Scripture is unity, most beautifully displayed. Unity in diversity through Christ. See, when we have our different heritages, when we have the different genders, when we have different skin color, when we have different socioeconomic stances, when we have our differences but we come together in unity, something absolutely beautiful happens. We become a family of God, what God truly intended. I referenced it earlier, but look at Galatians 4, 6. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. We are his children. We have a unity of identity. To borrow a phrase from the pandemic, we are truly all in this together. We are the family of God. No matter where we may be found, no matter what kind of distance has been between us, we can remain unified because of our identity in Christ. This is why it's so much bigger than simply adding Christian to the descriptor of my life. God is living in us. That's what that verse uh, in chapter 4, verse 6 says. Because we are children, God has sent his spirit to live in us. Other translations may say abide, which I always like the depth of that word. That abide is not simply this, this idea of living in our house. It is remaining with us wherever we go. 
that abide is something that we want from God, that he will never forsake us, never abandon us. And this is our identity. This is who we are. And it should affect how we walk. It should affect how we talk. It should affect how we interact with everyone, including how we interact with people on social media. Because let's be honest, a lot of us check our Christian identity at the door whenever we enter into the realm of Facebook. We enter into the realm of Facebook or any of our social media and we become a different person or we at least put a different identifier on us. That Christian now becomes a side note rather than the main feature. If Christ truly lives in us and abides in us and God's spirit abides in us, then that should affect everything of our life. Because Christianity is never meant to be something that we simply do. It's who we are. Christianity cannot be squashed down and just simply to a list of checkboxes that we will mark that we are good people. And we'll go down the list and say, yes, yes, I've done this or I haven't done that. Christianity is so much more than just what we do. This is why Paul then will, in chapter 5, talk about the fruit. Now, you may be thinking, Mitch, isn't fruit something that you do? Well, yes and no, because listen to the fruit that he says, Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's lead in every part of our lives. This isn't just a wish list for Christians. These are markers of identity. This isn't just uh, things that we can pick and choose from of saying, ah, in this situation, I'm going to have a little bit of love and a little bit of self-control, but not a whole lot of gentleness. It's not just something that we can pick or choose. This is a picture of what others are going to look at and see in us if our identity is truly found in Christ. Listen to those again. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, it's not just what we do. This is who we are. Paul keeps on coming back to this, this young church, young churches in Galatia, saying, hey, remember whose you are. Remember what it looks like to be a Christian. Let that be your identity. I believe that's why Paul starts off talking to them in chapter 2 with the verse that I started with, saying that it's so much more than just a, a, a descriptor for us. It's not something that you stumble upon. The fruit of the Spirit is not natural. You don't just accidentally become a Christian You have to choose it and receive it. That's why, again, he says, chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live by faith in the Son of God, 
who loves me and gave himself for me. May we be the kind of people who have crucified our old identity and received new life in Christ. As chapter 3 says, in, through baptism. Through baptism is where we have received this new identity. So may we be the kind of people who are not hung up on simply touting ourselves by our old life. Maybe, may we be the ones that find our identity, the wholeness of who we are, in Christ. May we be the kind of people who are directed daily by this new identity. May it affect everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we are. And may this identity be the guiding force within our unity movement. May we never be accused of being divisive. Because in Christ, we are one. I want to close the very last verse of the book of Galatians because I think he sums it up in a prayer. Galatians 6.18 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We can't make it without the grace of the Spirit, without Christ in us. May we be His, and may it be known that we are His.